I'm your host, Will Krebs, and this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. Passion can take you many places in life. It's what drives us to push on day to day. It fuels dreams and helps you to achieve the things that may seem impossible. We have a passion for the outdoors that drives us to give our time and efforts to help ensure we leave something for the next generation. This week, we're joined by Pastor Darcy Johnson, former University of Central Florida and Super Bowl champion, to discuss his passions and where they've taken him so far and where he's heading next. So in the studio now with me, I've got, you know, your host. I'm your host, Will Krebs. we got Jim. Good evening. And Pastor Darcy Johnson, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh man, thank you guys for having me. It's 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 a, it's such a pleasure to be here tonight. You guys got a nice setup in here. Wow, thank you. Wow, man, this is this is cool. But, yeah, tell um, them about the gold leaf, you know, <laughs> and the diamonds, and the big jewels. Right? I, I'm not going to tell them. They may come try to take the studio from you guys. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the podcast dollars are rolling in. Yeah. I know, right? I know, right? But um. A little bit about myself. Um, I'm originally from Palaka, Florida. Uh, when, like you say, I'm gonna kind of fast forward a little bit and uh, give you guys like a brief outline. I went to the University of Central Florida. Um, I was the second generation, second person ever to graduate from college in my family. From there, I met my wife. Uh, I'm gonna talk about her probably a little bit later, but I met my wife at the University of Central Florida, and then I went and played in the NFL. For five years, I played four years with the New York Giants. I played uh, one year with the St. Louis Rams when they were in St. Louis. They're in L.A. now. And now um, I'm I'm done. I'm pastoring. I'm ministering. And uh, just really, really trying to um, be a man of the people. And I think you're doing a heck of a job of it too, man. Um, you know, you, you just talked about playing in the NFL and everything else. And, you know, you've been – it's pretty clear that your heart's been in Florida for a long time. And you're born here, right? Palacca boy. Yes. Um, but even when you were playing, your desire to help others was evident. You created the Darcy J Foundation, mm-hmm. right? And you're busy as heck trying to stay in shape. And you still look like you put the pads on, by the way. we got to get a picture <laughs> of him before he leaves. But tell us, how did you get into the foundation business, so to speak? And what's the primary passion for it? Or what is it, what's the primary focus right now? Well, um, I desired to have a foundation ever since I was a little boy, actually. Um, wow. I was able to see some professional athletes from Palaka. Uh, we had a guy named Jarvis Williams and John L. Williams. Uh, they're gators. They were gators. But um, I was able to look up to them and see the things they were doing. And, you know, I you know, I always hold, heard people in the community saying, wow, athletes should do more. Um, they don't give back enough. Uh, they I mean, two great guys, but they felt like, you know, the platform that you get as an athlete, I feel like you should exercise that to help people. So I always said that if I ever make it, I will do something to give back to the community. And coming from a single parent household, what better yet to try to help single parents? So that's why the Darcy J Foundation was created and, um, you know, I, I, I can talk about it a little bit later about the story about behind that when you guys get ready for it. No, man, roll into that. Tell us a little bit about All how right. it got so, 
So, um, like I said, um, I, I always share my story. I, I give everybody the backstory and why we're doing what we're doing. Um, the Darcy J Foundation is a reflection of the life that not only myself, but what my mother went through. Uh, my mother's name is Gwendolyn Styles. She's from Palaka, Florida. And she, you know, just give you her backstory a little bit. At 12 years old, my mother uh, got pregnant at 12 years old, man, and uh, had my sister. Um, didn't even know what she was doing. You know, that's a whole nother story, but she got pregnant, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, you fast forward a couple of years later, maybe six, seven years later, um, she gets pregnant again. Uh, here comes my brother. Um, when my brother was nine months old, his dad got shot in the back of the head with a shotgun. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, you fast forward a couple of years after that, here comes Darcy. Um, and, you know, to be quite frank with you, um, my dad, you know, what they say was a, a player, a Rolling Stone. You know, Papa was a Rolling Stone then. And I come. And, you know, my mom's sitting there with a third child with no male figure in her life. All right. And from there, you know, my mom, we, we started on, we were on welfare. Uh, we were, you know, behind the eight ball. And one day my mom told tell me a story all the time that she was walking, um, had my brother in the scroller and was pregnant with me. And and uh, she was like, you know, I have to do something. I have to do something. And through her perseverance, she decided to go get a job and go to the police academy. And um, by going to the police academy, she became a, a sheriff, a deputy sheriff. Um, then she got a promotion. And when she got that promotion, she became the first female African-American bailiff in Putnam County's history. And um, from that, she was able to um, get a house, you know, get some land, uh, get a loan and get a house. So we had a foundation at that point. So we had something to say, hey, it's ours. All right. We had we had stability. And from there, um, you, you fast forward on. You know, my sister started getting older. My sister's 12 years old. By this time, she was um, living with my grandmother. And guess what, guys? My sister, 12, 13 years old, gets pregnant. Mm-hmm. All right. So you see that the generational things that's taking place. All right. But, you know, my mom just kept fighting, kept trying to raise us, doing the best she can. My brother uh, started playing football really, really good. Um, he went to college. Um and when he went to college, he went, he became the first person in our family ever, ever to graduate from college. I was able to follow in his footsteps and I became the second person. So that's in a nutshell. Well, not a nutshell. It's a lot. But I just want to give you guys the backstory on why this organization is thriving, why the Darcy J Foundation is this. So my story is kind of on the back end with that. Um, but that's the main um Main, main focus of the mission. That was one of the drivers. You know, you have, you, I've been fortunate to share a couple stories with you, you know, outside of here. And I've heard you tell it a couple times. Your brother gets recruited to go to the University of Florida. You got to tag along. Oh, and you that, told me that was a life-changing event for you. Can you it, tell, a little, tell it, us a little it was, about that? It was a life-changing event because I grew up 35, 40 minutes from Gainesville, Florida. All right. And I never touched foot on a university campus ever. And the first time I went to a Florida Gator game, 
I saw the grass, and it was the greenest grass I ever saw. <laughs> I thought I was looking at a cartoon, man. I thought it was like Tom and Jerry, one of those cartoons. But growing up, what I where I grew up from, I never saw grass. I mean, we played in the dirt fields, you know. It wasn't no grass like that that was fertilized and maintained. And when I saw that grass, man, I was able to see something, a visual. I was like, you know, I want to do this. I want to be out there on that field. And I want to make a, I, I want to do it. This is what I want to do. And I, I you know, I ha- had the experience. Um, I was able to go back to Palaka and I had friends. And I said, hey, man, I, I went to the University of Florida. I saw the Gators, man. I We can do it. We can go to Florida. And I had friends just like, no, we can't. I'm not going to Florida. This is the most, this is the furthest I'm ever going to go. Like, this is all I want. Like, he got mad at me. They got mad at me for dreaming. It was like I was trying to lead them on or tell them a lie or something. So that's just the state of what our community was in back then. And um, we're still struggling with that in communities today. It's a lot to overcome. It's a it's a very, very lot to overcome. Yeah, that, that's a tough thing to get to, to dig down into. I'd rather focus a little bit more on the fact that, um, I mean, because you, you mentioned the epilis, I can't. But you were under the same duress that they were. But something's different about Darcy Johnson, and it's not just the fact that you're you're built like you know brick, you know <laughs> building. I'm a bless. I'm a big guy. God no, no, gave man. Me, yeah, I'm God blessed, gave you man. that. You, you can't duplicate it. But you can't. There's a lot of big dudes that didn't do what you did, man. There's something different about Darcy Johnson. Well, um, I, I think so. Um, I I really really do have a competitive drive. You know, ever since I was little, I I couldn't stand to lose, and and that's in anything, not just sports. I mean. I didn't want to make bad grades, you know. I was, you know, I acted out as a kid and kind of, you know, try to get attention at times. But I always had A's or A's and B's, man. You know, I wanted to be a great student um, first, um, and I, I just knew that either, you know, foot sports or you know academics was going to be able to get me out of the situation I am. And I tell everybody, I'm, I'm fortunate to have a brother the type of brother I had and his determination of wanting to be a football player. I mean, it really, really helped me get to the point where I can kind of, you know, understand and learn myself and, you know, uh, you know, all the, all the male, you know, the male figure and the, the traits that I needed, the godly man, you know, he didn't, he didn't really give off that, but the determination, he wanted to play football so bad that he did whatever it took to get football, you know, to to get him out of the situation and where he was at. And, you know, we were we were, you know, we were we were poor, but we didn't feel poor, you know. I don't you know, how are you gonna miss something you never had? So I can look at other people and say, Wow, they got the nice house, they got the cars, they got the you know, they got all these things, but you know, I was never the type, and me and my brother was never the type to look at people and say, oh, we jealous, we this and that. We were like, let's fight, let's get it. So that's what I did. But for me to have that in me, I just think it was all God. You know, it really was him. I can't take no credit from that. So I know he wants me to do something bigger than what I kind of saw myself. So tell us a little bit more, uh, a little bit more about the uh, the Darcy J Foundation and, and what it does and how many families you're helping in florida okay well that's 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 a great question um i'm glad you asked i want to you know (laughs) let everybody know what we're doing right now in florida um so we just took 
the story I just told you guys, and we programmed it. You know, we uh, we have two programs within the foundation. All right, we have a twice the love program, which we um, we focus on um, doing uh, distribution. So we give away clothing, we give away pampers. Uh, sometimes we give baby food and toys and different things like that when the uh, holiday. Oh, you open up a cold one? Oh man, that's cold coke, brother. <laughs> cold coke for you. Man. But um, but uh, yeah, the twice the love program, it's um, it's a program just focusing on getting getting um families a resource, you know. So if we can help with a household expense or help them. Um, you know, save money. That's what we try to do through this program. And right now, with this program, is thriving in South Florida. So, Fort Lauderdale and Dade County, uh, we're serving over 500 families a month. That's a lot. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, we're trying to get that program right now. We're establishing in the Central Florida. Um, we actually have, you know, we have some great dialogue with some um, really, really big nice organizations here in central florida so we're looking for that program to continue to grow and the second program is um and that's that's just the you know that program like i said you know when i was younger and we didn't have much i would have loved have somebody to give my mom a breath of fresh air with them bringing some clothes or some pampers you know that kind of stuff there people wasn't giving it you know so um, that's why we're doing that, and moms love it, dads love it. We got a couple of single dads in there, but they love it. You know, they love it. It, it encourages them. I don't care if it's a thirty or forty dollar expense. Like they save forty dollars, and that gives them hope. Like somebody care about me. So it's a mental part behind that. Wow, I can keep going. Somebody cares. Um, and then the second program is our healthy living program. So our healthy living program focuses on everything from helping people to um, uh, understand, you know, uh, what financial freedom is all about, helping with budgeting. We help people to um, see that they can, you know, one day achieve home ownership. Um, that's a big part of the um, the healthy living program. So we're trying to, uh, we have different seminars and different things we're doing. We're going to be doing now downtown Orlando, which is pretty cool. Um, our, uh, program lead on that his name is brandon Eford, uh so he's going to be leading us in that area and uh i look forward to forward to doing this because i feel like getting a foundation getting stability within a a, a kid in a house will be able to give them that confidence just like it did me to go after everything because if you're getting a good night's sleep and you're getting a nice meal all right and you have some clothes on your back Everything that the foundation is trying to give, I feel like that right there can push a, push a kid to, to the next level. No, I'm with you, man. And you mentioned the healthy living and some of the, the basic financial planning around that, which you know is near and dear to my heart. You the man, But it's bro. true. Well, thank you, you very man, much. Bro. <laughs> uh, I'm working on it. I don't think I'm the man, but I probably know him. I can but, toot your horn. Don't worry about it, guys. <laughs> Jim, Jim is very, very good with the numbers. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But no, the the basics of it, you mentioned you have to have all that stability for the kid to thrive. But you know, man, you're a parent. Mm-hmm. We make it look good on the outside, but if your kids actually knew what was really happening with the chaos, it's like, ah. But being able to give, if if parents don't have that stability, right, the organization and the feeling that they're making headway, it's really hard to pass it on to the kids. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we, you know, that's what it's all about. You know, it's, it's about, you know, uh, creating a, 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 a system where you're not enabling people, you know, you're trying to empower them. Yeah. So we know that's very, very important. So that's why the healthy living program is actually going to, you know, um, take them to a whole nother level. We can give them clothes. We can give them pampers. We can save a household expense, but we don't want to get them dependent on that. We want them to be able to elevate and be a helping hand and, and reach back and show somebody that, Hey, I was at the point that you were at, you can do it. So you're absolutely right, Joe. Absolutely right. So while you may have left it, it's clear your heart remained in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you, what do you dream about doing, doing here now? Well, my dream right now is, you know, the foundation has been around for 13 years. All right. And it's time for us to elevate. Right. So, Right now, my dream is for us to get, you know, we want to have a facility. You know, we want to have a facility where, um, you know, a distribution facility where, you know, we can kind of transport our, you know, our goods and the pampers to different parts of Florida as well. So we got connects in Tampa, Florida. We got connects up in Palaka, Duval County. People needing these resources. So we're just going to keep expanding throughout Florida. And um, the biggest dream, the biggest goal we have is just getting a building, man. So, you know, we're doing, we're going to be doing a, do- a lot of different events and trying to raise money. And, you know, I'm going to put a lot of my money in it. And, you know, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, and I'm going to make it happen. So what kind of events you guys got coming up? Well, we have a, uh, we have a golf tournament. So it's our fifth annual golf tournament. Um, we, uh, we're doing that Shingle Creek on next year on July 8th. And um, right now we're just in the process of solidifying sponsors. Uh, we got a couple already and uh, we're just looking for people to, you know, um, just want to come and, and support and be a part, have a fun day. And at the same time, be giving back uh, to the communities. Uh, I, you know, so that's that's our, you know, our event for 2022. And and we got other events coming up for 2023. So uh, looking forward to it. So you planted it way out there now. You, you way way further along than we are. <laughs> but you got to be. You, you got a lot of people counting on you. But yeah, I, I have a lot of people that's you know counting on me. But I'm counting on a lot of people too. And I will be remiss if I did not mention our team, right? Um, you know, of course, my wife. She's our co-founder. Uh, name is Carissa Johnson. Um, she's she's uh, she do a lot of entrepreneurship um, consulting. Um, her degree is in um, a master's in nonprofit management, so it's good to have that on board uh, to help organize us and get us right. Um, we have Atilla Lindley. Um, she's um, our um, program coordinator for the Healthy Living Program, and she's our admin. So she, um, you know, she keeps us organized. She's like the glue. Um, we have Kayla Smith. She's our um, operations director. Um, she watches over everything, all the programs. And I mentioned Brandon earlier. He's our program lead uh, with the Healthy Living Program. So we got a nice little team. Um, and, you know, and, you know, the entrepreneur we got in the group is uh, Felicia Cameron. Um, Feed the Investor. Y'all go look up on social media. She's the rock star, man. She she does everything, um, helps us. So she's helping us, trying to help us find a home. And we got a lot of the guys now that's beginning to try to help us 
find a home, man. So we're looking for a home in Central Florida. So we're just gonna be praying for it. Anybody got any land out there they want to donate? Let me know. Uh, shoot, we'll build anywhere in Central Florida. So just looking for a blessing. So aside from <clears throat> if you happen to be sitting on a few acres that you're looking to unload, come on, which we'll be happy to help you facilitate. <laughs> I happen to know a guy I can probably explain how you can get a tax write-off, get some income from it. Yeah, we'll we'll cover that in a, another <laughs> podcast. Um, but how does uh, how does the average common man get involved in the Darcy J Foundation? Well, all you got to do is just reach out. I mean, our um, email is info at Darcy J Foundation. That's D A R C Y J Foundation dot com, and uh, just inquire. Just say, hey, I want to I want to get involved. Um, I want to donate, you know, you can email that or you can just go to our website, uh, www.darcyjfoundation.org. And um, it has everything on there, man. You, you can see everything we do. You can donate. Uh, you can just be a part. It's a lot of different ways you can be a part. It's not just about money. Um, you can come volunteer at the events. You can volunteer with the programming. Um, we have a ton of resources and a ton of help that you guys can provide. So please come. Um, you know, yeah, I'm a, I'm an athlete, you know, a former athlete. I try to use that platform, not for my, uh, just for everybody to say, Hey, you know, you're so great. You're so good. You know, we want to just be around athlete. I try to use it to, um, elevate others and serve others. So, um, that's what I've been living by. That's what I've been getting blessed from doing. So that's what I keep doing. So if a couple of, uh, you know, shotgun toting yahoos were to host an event and maybe just ask people to drop off a six pack of diapers, we could get them to you and you'd get them to the right people. Absolutely. So what we're going to be doing, um, that's why we're trying to get the program going up here. Um, we have partners and we have distribution locations. So we have boxes down in South Florida where they're at chiropractor office, they're at doctor's offices, they're at every, you know, they're at kids, uh, businesses everywhere. And people go drop off clothing and we pick them up. Um, in which we're, we're right now, we're in the process right now, getting out, getting another truck. So, that's pretty cool, man. Um, just getting those things going, and that's what they can do. And um, right now, in Florida, in, in Central Florida, we don't need tangible goods right now. Um, if you're in down in South Florida, you down in South Florida, you know, just let us know. We'll come pick it up. Yeah, I think we could arrange some some raffles and stuff to, to help raise some money. Yeah, man, we're we're fair at it. We have a little bit of experience. We do decent. We could do better. We'll work on it. Yep. It's all but, part of the growth process. So what do you advice do you have for, for people who feel like they're losing control of their own destiny? Well, I, you know, me, I, I'm, I've been, a, I feel like I've been an underdog. I feel like I was, you know, we first generation of having any type of money, you know, um, within our family. And, uh, you know, nothing was ever given to me. You know, I had to fight even from high school. Uh, my brother was a great – I had two brothers, actually. Uh, my dad – on my dad's side, I had a brother that went to college, um, went to Purdue. He was a boilermaker. He loves hunting, him and my dad hunt, but we'll talk about that in a second. But um, out of high school, I had two big brothers that achieved everything, and they got offers to any college they wanted to go to. My brothers could have picked which college they wanted to go to. And by the time I came, you know, I was more, more of an athlete, like more of a multi-sport person. Um, I did not work as hard as they did because my my talent came natural. Are you the run to the litter? I'm the run. I'm the run of the boys. Yep, <laughs> I'm the run of the boys. So I that's, am the run. So 
I am. Here, you know, I'm the here. runt, but I'm the biggest. The runt always the biggest. Oh, dude. okay. You know, I was gonna say if you're if you're the runt, man, we're gonna need a bigger studio if we ever have your brothers oh, in man, here. Both, <laughs> both, yeah, say. both both my brother, one brother six foot, my other brother six one and a half. So, and I'm six five six six. So, I'm bigger than them. Um, I pro- I probably can beat them now. You know, I probably can beat them in the wrestling and something now. But anyway, <laughs> but it wasn't yo, always that way though, was it? It wasn't always that way. But my brothers, they were humble and quiet. They were quiet. Me, I was more of an extrovert. I love having fun. I talk loud, you know, and it kind of brought the type of attention that you really didn't need because why are you not like your brothers? You know, so, you know, I stay in trouble. And, you know, my coach, the same coach that coached them, and he told me, he said, man, you know, I need to really look into, like, really keeping my grades up and staying out of trouble because he was like less than 1% go to college. So he basically told me in ninth grade that, you know, I probably wasn't going to college. I mean, anyway, that's how I took it. Or maybe it was motivation. I don't know. But he told me that. Um, and then I at that point, man, I, I kind of just kept playing. I really didn't believe I can do it when he told me. So I thought I was going to be just like everybody else. I went from the high in the eighth grade to feel like I can do it to ninth grade. I'm up there. My brother just went to college and. Now I'm, I have to fill his shoes in the school. So it was like I, I he took all the belief I had and in one day he took it out of me. So then I started hanging around the wrong people for a second. And uh, my brother came back from South Carolina and my his brother-in-law now was a um, quarterback with him. And they sat me down for three hours, man, in my front room. And, and and told me, like, you stupid, you this, you that. Like, they were hard on me. They were like, you know how big you is? You know what type of potential you have? You know what you can do? You're blowing it, man. And that conversation uh, lit a fire in me. And you were about 14? About 15, 15 years old. It lit a fire in me. And they gave me, somebody told me that I can do it. So that's what I do now. When I go around and no matter how much a person's dream may seem far out, I tell them, I say, hey, you can do it. You can do it. No matter how you get there, if you keep fighting and you keep going, you can do it. And me, I mean, I still use my same advice now. You know, I want this building. I want this land. You know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to fight my butt off. I'm going to do it. And what's going to be great is you guys going to see it because we're on live. We're talking. And and it's gonna be quick too. And you guys gonna be like, man, he was in here. He was saying he was gonna do it. And he did it. So I tell everybody that don't never let anybody tell you what you can't do. Go out, work your tail off, put the work in, and you can do it. All right. You know, it's I mean, I've talked to you about you have a natural charisma. And it's more than just the fact that you were in the NFL and you're a big dude. There's a there's a lot that comes through it. And although we didn't really put it in the script, I mean we you are Pastor Darcy Johnson. And what hasn't, what sometimes isn't as evident when you get on a podcast and things like this, but it is very evident in your life, is where do you give all the credit? Oh, well, you know, uh, obviously, where do I give the credit to? Where do you give the credit, man? Well, you know, I give it to, I give it to the Lord, man. Hallelujah. You know, I give it to the Lord. I give everything I do to the Lord, man. And I I understand, um, I can, I mean, my faith, man, it's kind of like, God is just like walking with me, you know, every single day. Like he's walking with me. Like he's my friend. I can talk to him. I can have a conversation just like I'm talking to you guys now. And it's kind of like I'm at a level now where uh, I'm I'm living with a uh, eternity mindset. 
you know. Uh, we know time was created here on earth for us to get around and understand things, but time is nothing compared to eternity. And we have the power to do things here that are easy and we make them so hard because of sin, because of what we, you know, sin tell us what we can't do and who we are not. It confuses us. So I walk around now and then I, I you know, sometimes I'll be convicted. I'll be like, do I need to pray? Do I need to pray some more? Do I need to do this? Because I talk to God just like I'm talking to you guys. I talk to Christ. I talk to the Holy Spirit just like that. Like, hey, we about to get on this road right now. I might turn the radio off and talk to him in the passenger seat. Say, hey, man, thank you for riding with me today. I know the angels are guarding me and, and carrying me here. And I don't take anything for granted. Like, you know, I drove over here and came over here and and we're here. And we all made it here. You know, we're in here. And we're going to leave here and we're going to make it home. You know, because that's our belief. That's what we believe in God for. So my faith, man, is just on another level, man. It's just it is. on another level. You know, that uh, believer, that it's funny that you're not just talking smack about the journey here. When I was texting Darcy to make sure he had the address, his reply was, you know, prayers for safe travels. And and and, and there was a second that I kind of blew that off. I'm like, man, I'm only driving 40 minutes. And then I thought about it and I was like, because I know, I know you and I'm like, <laughs> he he's not just saying that like as to sign off. Like he's sincere. He's like saying, "Yo, God be with you on the road." And we yeah, right. sometimes take it for granted. And um, that is one of the things that uh, I find the most remarkable about you is how easy. Because we've had some. I don't want to. We talk about that for forty five minutes, and it's <laughs> tough for me. You know that. Yeah. But we manifest our faith differently. But it's one of the greatest things I admire about you is how easy. It just comes off you, man, and you're an inspiration to a lot of people. And in the time we've kind of been really close these last couple of days, um, it has helped. It, it does. It has an impact. And I think that's a, that's a great – your gift of evangelism mm -hmm. is, uh, is, is pretty powerful. And I do think it's one of the reasons why when we start talking about, like, where you're going to find the land, it'll yeah. come. And, and it's great to hear you say it because you're not saying it with, uh, well, you know, it'll come. No, it's like it'll it'll come. Yep. It's different. You're saying it like it's already here. Yeah. So already we already got it. It's 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 done. It's already finished. Like the building's up. Uh people coming and they're getting help and they're laughing and kids are smiling. Um kids are are using the resource. Adults are using the resource. We're taking people from that's uh living on welfare and section A and never believing they can own anything. And they're gonna have houses, man. They're gonna have houses. And they're going to be a positive, uh, a positive light on the community. And, uh, you know, that's the part that the Lord is having me do. That's my part. All right. And uh, I'm going to do my part to the best of my ability. And the only way I can do that, I know the only way I can function, I can't I can't do it by myself. It has to be the Holy Spirit leading me to do it. And that's what I'm going to do. And, uh, you know. You know, and, and just, you know, um, just serving others, helping other people with their missions. Um, that's a big part of it. So that's what me and my wife has been focusing on. That's why we are in Central Florida. And, and, and that's what we're going to do. So uh, w what's been the most rewarding part for you from helping other people? Uh, the most rewarding thing, I think, you know, for me is, you know, you know, when you help other people. You know, you're really doing it for yourself. 
you're really doing it for yourself. You, you're, you know, you, you, you're, we're nothing but vessels. All right. So God is really doing everything. All right. He puts us in a position to lift us and keep us focused on him and focus on things that are positive. So it's so powerful because, you know, God say, you know, in the second commandment, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. He's saying that because he, he wants you to focus on serving other people because that's going to help you. So that's just how God unlock, you know, mysteries unlock us because we're going to worry about us. You know what I'm saying? Like right. your foot hurting or you get hit, you know, uh, you know, you get a scratch, you know, you're hurting, you know. So he does that for us. So the Darcy J Foundation, everything I do. Uh, that's seen and unseen, I know that God has me doing that for his purposes and it's to help me. So when people say, oh, I'm helping the community, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. No, you're doing that for you. You're doing that for you and you're being obedient. So the part that you win is being obedient. That's when you win, being obedient to it. So that's kind of how, that's how my outlook is on it. In in our conversations We've had a couple of conversations about why you do the things you do. And I mentioned our podcast here and and why we go out and clean up the woods or why we raise money for different organizations and was trying to explain that sometimes we just say we don't really know why we do it. You know, we do, we know that there's the pat on the back, but it's almost like, you know, for everything you do and somebody says, good job, there's two other people that say, I screwed it up and you didn't do it right. Right. But that's just part of it. But Darcy, in my conversations with him, put that in a different perspective and you just use the word, you know, I think you use the word obedient, mm-hmm. right? That sometimes, and you know, we're not a, we're not necessarily a, a, a spiritual podcast, but it is a part of our life. I think in, in a, lo- a part of our life that a lot of listeners that we don't wear it on our, our outside as much, but it, maybe if we do pay attention to that, when you ask, where does all truism come from? Right. Cause I'd even, so there's a lot of people I think that would tell you in 2021 that all truism is dead. Right. When all of a sudden, when all of a sudden you go out and do something, the first thing people ask is, what's in it for you? And you just hit it right in the money. There is something in it for us. Yeah. Right. But it's not, it's not material. It's not of this world necessarily. We, we, I mean, I love that lifted up thing. I love that sense of accomplishment when something comes up. So I guess pejoratively you could say that's all ego. And it is. And I don't mind admitting to that and owning that. Mm -hmm. But that's not why we do it. But it wasn't until chatting with you that I started thinking that maybe there's something a little, little, little bigger behind that effort. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, yeah, I mean, this is a hunting and fishing and, you know, it's not a spiritual podcast. And if we do have any listeners out there that really are not, um, don't consider themselves, uh, you know, spiritual or, you know, atheists or anything like that. I mean, one thing I always, um, I say to them, you know, no matter what their beliefs is, one thing that we all love is love. It don't matter. We yeah. all love love. Like we all love love. So, you know, that's something that you can't get around no matter what your beliefs are. You love being loved. Like, you know, do anybody say, oh, I love being loved. I'm going to kill myself. No. You love being loved. Yep. I don't believe in atheism anyway. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> I don't, you know, man. I people, don't. I think that some whatever... people, some people believe in that. Some people want, you know, some people, you know, with my beliefs and what I feel, I feel like, you know, 
Um, it's not my job to transfer anybody, transform anybody or make someone believe in anything. It's my job to share the gospel and it's my job to love. You know, that part there, the Holy Spirit's going to do. So I'm going to love everybody regardless. No, you lead by example. That's right. Dude. Can we change gears a little bit? Maybe talk. Uh, Let's go. We'll talk a little bit about some time on the gridiron. I'm sure there's some people that are like, wait, that guy was in the NFL. When they going to start talking about some ball? <laughs> <laughs> we had to lead him up to this, man. We had to keep him. Get the know, important stuff out of the way yeah, first. Yeah, we know. Not, not, I mean, not necessarily <laughs> them. We had to give him a teaser, you know, keep him, you know, in. So that's what we had to do. So let's go, man. This, this is a fun part. Well, let's start out. You know, you know, you've talked a lot about your experiences in high school. Maybe you've already covered these, man. But what was, uh, what are some of your fondest memories from from that time in your life? Um, high school, yeah. high school, man, was um, it was beautiful, man. Um, I think high school football is the greatest sport ever. It's high school because it's still pure. It's pure. You're in. You're from. You know. You home. You know. That's your home and. Everybody's. I mean, we come from. I come from Palaka. Houston is probably the same way, but everybody used to go to the game. So you know, we had a, a you know ten thousand people in the city. Maybe in the you know outskirts, probably about twenty twenty five thousand people. And you know, at the game, we'll have two three thousand people at the game, man. And it's like Friday night lights. So I think I just I miss being around my the, the teammates that I grew up with from kindergarten to 9th, 10th, 11th grade. And, you know, you dream about playing for the Palaka Panthers all those years. And when you get there and you have an opportunity to be a big part of it, I mean, it's nothing more, it's nothing better than that. You know, I can, I can remember some of the games. I can remember the touchdowns. Um, I can remember the, you know, but, you know, I had fun when we won and we were able to talk on the bus on the way back home because on the way there we couldn't talk. Yeah. But on the way home, we win, man. And, you know, high school was great for me because I only lost six games in high school, you know, in four years I only lost six games. So, you know, undefeated teams, you know, state uh, final four, you know, final, you know, elite eight for basketball. You know, I had a lot of winning in high school. So that was, I, I guess that was my high school highlight. You're uh, when did you and Zach play? You were, I actually did not play with Zach. Oh, okay. I, I'm older than Zach. Gotcha. Uh, I I played high school football my up to my junior year. Uh, I knew I wasn't going to college, so I got a job. <laughs> <laughs> smart guy. No, we, we're smart we're, guy. Smart guy. Smart smart guy. We uh, we're fortunate enough to know a, a gentleman who was a pretty big high school phenom. You know, at the Apopka High School, one of the daughters is uh, Zach uh, Zach Darlington. It'd be interesting to get. I mean, Zach's younger than you are. You wouldn't have played against him, but uh, if I'm not mistaken, when Zach was playing, Apopka went. Uh, they went to the state far. championship. They won yeah. the state championship, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you ever uh, win the state championship? Don't no, no, I never, <laughs> never won the state championship. Man, we were trying to get that. We were uh, one game from it. We <sighs> lost. Yeah, in the final four, our our quarterback got hurt. You know, we were winning. He got hurt, and we didn't make it. We lost. Man. So, yeah, we would have played Belglade. That's when Belglade was really good back then. Back then. So, that will be fun to go play in the swamp, you know. That's where they were having the um, high school championships game that, that year in Gainesville. So. Well, so then, you you know, you had the ultimate playing experience. You got to play at UCF. So Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> As a UCF grad, that's where I top out. Right? Oh, so. man, yeah, man. I mean, if – I, you know, 
it was nothing but God why I ended up at UCF because I had like three or four offers, you know, Louisville, Arizona. Um, the Gators came on late. And um, I decided to go to UCF because I wanted to be a part of building something. So their whole pitch to me was like building uh, building something like, you know, the Gators and the, the programs were already established. You know, they had tradition. Let's come here and build a tradition. And um, that's what, you know, we're a young program. So, that you know, to be honest with you, those are some of the kind of things that frustrate me with the program that now the, the program is finally starting to make a better, a bigger effort at reaching the former players because that's what we were sold on. And not to have that connection with us is uh, something that, you know, really needs to happen. And it's starting to happen now. So I'm excited about the future. Glad to hear it. Well, that, you know, when I was in school, I, I started at UCF in 1989. Woo! Brother, they were playing Friday nights. And it seemed like, it, <laughs> and you know what? One thing I can tell you, man, is it rained every Friday night in the fall of 1999 <laughs> through about 1993. It was never not raining. But <laughs> That's Central Florida, man. It was, uh, it was different. And it's you still know, so rain. where, as a guy that has that perspective, and sometimes it's funny because you talk to guys, the people that went there in the early 80s and the 1970s, or D3 ball, but to go, from D three to Division one, and now UCF's in a major conference. Yeah, and um, going to a bigger they, one. Wow, Power they weren't. Five. Yeah, they weren't lying to you. You really were part of building something. But Absolutely. when you're 18 years old, you think it's going to happen in your four years. Yeah, right. Yeah. But I was, you know, I, like I say, I was fortunate to, um, you know, I, I got there. I I was, you know, I when I first got there, my first two years, I was in the old Wayne Dent. So. Those guys that were playing in 79 and 80, I was in that same locker room that they were in those years. So uh, from 01 to 02, I was in those locker rooms. And then fortunately, we got a brand new facility built. So we got a brand new facility. Then we got an indoor facility. So it was the first indoor facility in the state of Florida. And that was in 2003. So the last two years, I was able to, you know, um, you know, have that. We still played in the Citrus Bowl. The new stadium didn't come until my second year in the league when they opened up against Texas. So I was fortunate to get a little bit of both, you know, a little taste of, you know, because, you know, I, I I went, you know, to South Carolina. I went to the Gamecocks all those years. And, you know, I probably would have went to the Gamecocks with my brother for a year if they would have offered me. But they um they decided to offer another tight end, which ended up being a lineman. So they wanted a bigger guy. I was 212, you know coming out of high school but um but yeah man i mean it was just a it was a great ride i gra- i'm glad i chose ucf I, you know i got great memories and i met my wife there so i'm win you know i met my wife that's my that's my soulmate was at ucf so that's why god took me that way yeah everything happens for a reason so you mentioned you played tight end in college is that what you continue to play on in the nfl Yep, yep. Went on to the NFL, guys. And like I say, man, true underdog. You know, my first well, – let me go back a little bit. So, at UCF, I redshirted, all right, because I had to gain weight. And, you know, I was good at catching the ball, but I had to get better at blocking. I was a, I, I, I was a decent blocker. I desired blocking, but I had to learn how to block, and I had to get some weight. So, I wanted to block, but I wasn't – you know, I wasn't heavy enough. So, I had to gain weight. You know, I gained 40 pounds in four years, so – I had to gain weight and muscle. And then when I went to the NFL, um, I thought I was going to get, you know, I thought I was going to get drafted. And um, it didn't happen. You know, my brother got drafted in the third round to the Minnesota Vikings. I'm like, oh, my brother did it. You know, I'm going to UCF. And 
the one thing I didn't, you know, I didn't realize going to UCF, which we were still considered a mid-major, you know, because when I first went to UCF, we were still an independent. Then we went to the MAC conference uh, my second year. We went to the MAC. And that really does play a factor when you're trying to go to the next level because you don't really play against the competition that the SEC and the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and Big 12 that they play against week in and week out. So the evaluation process is different from you. I might play one school a year. So I didn't get drafted. Um, I had to go and fight my way on my first year. I I, I, I fought. Um, I had a decent little camp. Um, I got picked up on practice squad my first year in the NFL. I was on 15 weeks on practice squad. And um, Michael Scrahan got hurt. So, Michael Scrahan got hurt. They put him on IR. Jeremy Shockey got hurt, which was the tight end, and um, he was questionable. So, they moved me up. They gave me a contract on Christmas Day. Uh, yeah, talk yeah. about a gift. Unwrap that one. Yeah, yeah. Christmas Day 2006, um, they signed me um, to the active roster, and then um, I went to play the Washington Redskins in Washington. Um, I got to play against the late, great Sean Taylor, which we um we played in a Florida California All Star game together in high school, and um, I got to play against him and and uh, I was a part and I, I thought I was going because I, I was basically the third tight end right, and uh, I thought I was going to go to the game right and like wow I made it you know I got my suit on I'm gonna get me a nice paycheck this week you know nicer than what I've been getting like ten times more than what I've been getting on practice cards so. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I'm, I know I'm getting married next year. So, so I, you know, I can save up a little bit more money to help out my wife's parents with the wedding. But um, I going to the game and, you know, I'm eating good. And coach, like, you know your playbook. I say, yes, sir, I've been studying my playbook. And, you know, I knew half the playbook, but I didn't know the whole playbook. <laughs> and um, we get to the game and they, uh, he come in the locker room and say, yeah, you ready? I say, yeah, I'm, 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 you know, I'll be ready if, you know, if somebody go down. My coach looked at him. He said, well, Jeremy Shockey not playing today. He down. So, you number two. So, <laughs> you thought you were so, going just to have better seats at the oh game, Oh, right? my God. I thought I was going. <laughs> they had me on some special teams. So, I was ready for special teams. Um, I was ready to do punt return. I was ready to do kickoff return. I was ready. You know, they dressed me out in the 45, man. I was ready. And uh, they put me out there. And then I'm like, okay, you know. I might get out there the first, I mean, the second quarter, third quarter. You know, I'm looking at the second tight. I'm like, bro, you better not get hurt. You better not get tired. <laughs> I'm talking about, man, I've I never been, like, nervous. Um, you know, but that time I was like, okay, these people are paying me money. I can't let my team down. We have to win this game to get to the playoffs. And I, this is my first game. The second player of the game, they called me in the game, man. And um, I got out there. And I did a block, and I did good, and all the butterflies went away. So I was just playing football. So, um, the, you know, I kept rotating, and they put me in for the running plays. And, man, don't you guys know I blocked for Tiki, Barker, T- Tiki Barber's franchise record, single-game rushing record in yards. And I think that record still exists to this day, my Sweet. first game out. Yeah. Wow. So that, that kind of helped me, man, and um, – propel me to the next year so it was good and I played in my second game which was the against the Philadelphia Eagles in the first round of playoffs 
and we lost, you know, that game. And Saki came back and played. And I played a little bit. I played like one or two snaps on offense. And but man, they they love me because my special teams. I did really, really great with special teams. So. so what was that like? You mentioned that you graduated high school, you're 212 pounds. What, what were you weighing in at when you hit the NFL? Man, I was weighing um out my first year, I got up to like 257, 258. Um, and then uh well, I was 255 my first year. Then my coach said he wanted me to come back at 265. So I came back at 265 my second year. And man, I was balling. I was balling at the beginning of the season. And, and that's not three. 265 of, of cheeseburger weight either. That's yeah, 265 that, it, it all muscle. below the waist. It, it was muscle. And uh, some of it was fat. I ain't going to lie. I had to pack it on just <laughs> yeah. because, you know, it was like that's was going to be my role. That's how I was going to keep a job. You know, Jeremy Shockey was the pass catcher. I mean, you know, but the best tight end I ever seen in person in my life. You know, the only person, the only tight end I would ever admit that I can really sit here and say he was better than me. Um, he was. He, he was a gift to the tight end gods, man. He was. He's built. He, he had it all. So, um, just had to go in and gain weight, and I came back. And that second year, you know, I was playing good, and then I got hurt. So, let's go. That's what I was kind of going with is, is that you go from 212 pounds to 260 pounds. But the guys that are hitting you, I mean, you get hit by kids, and five years later, you're getting blown up by grown-ass men. Man, it's right. wrong, bro. Hey, it hurt, bro. I'm still hurting. You, got, yeah. you like, hey, man, why you got them glasses on talking to us? Because the, the light hurt my eyes. Wow. You know, so I got to wear this stuff, wear these glasses, man, because, I, you know, these concussions and these injuries, it's a very, very brutal sport. So, you know, you have to, you know, that's, what it, that's the sacrifice you play. So with football being a passion of yours always growing up, what did it feel like to, to finally – step out on the field as a NFL player and, and play your first snap? Like, was that just the – the? it seems like the accumulation of all the hard work you put into it led you to that point. Yeah. It was um it was a dream come true, and uh, it was just football. You know, you went out there, you saw the stands, the fans, and you are trying for the next thing. So you are trying to go play good so you can be a pro bowler. You know, hopefully you can get a second contract. Hopefully you can be a Hall of Famer. So at the time, you know, I didn't have the uh, mentorship like I could have had because your whole life you fight, right? You fight. Um, you got to help other people. But at the same time, you're fighting for the same spot as somebody else. So, um you know, football is the only, you know, professional sports is the only job in the world that you have to be nice. Like, you have to help the person that's trying to take your job. You know, that's that's sports, um, which is crazy. Every, any other job, you're not helping nobody else, you know, take your job, you know. And it's like, you know, somebody may be sneaking to take your job, but in football, it's like, okay, you got this person, they're going to take your job, but you got to help them they ask you for a play or do something. It's just weird, but... Um, really, I let that lead to like, you know, it wasn't until I got done and I became like a fan and I went to some games and I seen the guys come out and, you know, really, man, it's, it's a, you know, you guys probably been to professional games, football and basketball, but it's a sight to see, right? It's, you know, you see some guys that are big and strong and fast, like they are the top athletes in the world in this sport. And 
I was like, I, you know, I looked at him and I looked at my wife and I say, babe, did I look like that? She said, babe, you look like that. Like you look like a, a gladiator. You're a, you were a modern day gladiator. You look like nobody can touch you like anything. And then, um, you get out on the field, it's aggression, man. Grown men hitting you, you, you hitting grown men and, it is a gladiator sport, just like we just don't do thumbs up and thumbs down. That's it. <laughs> <We don't, laughs> that's it. So, you know, other than that, man, it's a very brutal sport, you know. So, um, and I always co-sign that. Like, if people want their kids to play, it's a lot safer these days um, with all the new rule changes. I mean, I'd have been a Pro Bowl tight end for sure with all that. I mean, that, not having to worry about going across the middle getting hit no more. So, um, I would definitely um, – recommend that you know kids play a little you know if they're going to play tackle football wait a little longer you know for them to do that you know maybe high school but i see a lot of people doing it now you know six seven years old they're still doing it so i have a son he's not going to play tackle until high school if he want to play but trying to expose him to other sports right so what is your what's your best memory from the the ucf or the nfl well, well, I mean, the best memory from UCF would be us beating Marshall. Um, we had lost like 17 games in a row, man. Um, had coaching staff, you know, coaching changes. Uh, people get kicked off the team. And the people, the guys that were there that were able to persevere what was going on and to finally win and get that monkey off our back, that probably was my greatest memory at UCF. Um, the greatest memory at, you know, uh, I think in the NFL was, for me, um, individual play. I had a, a big, huge run against the Patriots. Um, really, really cool run and touchdown run after catch. And uh, always the highlight is the Super Bowl, right? You know, I got a chance to win a Super Bowl, be a part of a Super Bowl team. So, you know, I remember in, in college, man, I prayed for it, bro. And I, that's why I tell people, like, be careful what you pray for because I'm going to tell you guys my exact prayer. And I think this is the first time I ever told anybody on um, on radio. But when I was in college, I, I asked God, I said, God, I don't care if I win a Super Bowl and I don't even play. I said, I just want a Super Bowl. <laughs> and I was hurt and I didn't get to play. And I got a Super Bowl. And I prayed for that. I did. It's interesting, though. I mean, it, I did. It's it's, that was uh, my prayer. I didn't yeah, say God let is, me. I didn't say let me. You know, catch four touchdowns and you know, uh, uh, you know, do the helmet catch like my boy David Tyree or catch the, the game winning touchdown like Plexico Birds. I just say I just want to be a part of it. I was so humble. I just want a ring. Right. That's what I told him, and I got it. Just to be part of the team. Just to be part of the team. And and for the record, we, we got to eyeball that ring before we started the show today. So yeah, we'll have pictures of it up on the site. It's uh, it's as big as they look on TV. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to drop that on your pinky toe. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's the what's the greatest advice you have for young kids dreaming of playing professional sports? Um, the advice would be to um, make sure you know the, the same thing. You know, make sure they're going and getting educated right. Um, doing their best to be the best person they can be, all right? Always could, always put God first. Second, be the best person you can be, all right? And third, you be the best athlete or the best student you want to be in anything that you want to do. Um, it's more to life than just football, just sports. I mean, I think, you know, 
majority of the time, God makes the gift of an athlete evident, right? Everybody's not 6'6", six, six, can be a tight end, you know. You don't see no 5'4 tight ends, you know. Not saying that you can't be a great tight end, but, you know, that gift is evident, you know. Um, be like you will, you know, you realize like, dang, that's not, that's not my gift. That's not what I'm going to be able to excel at. So you didn't quit. You say, Hey, what is my gift? What do I want to do for a living? All right. And even if that, what you want to do for a living is not what's going to get you paid. Um, and sometimes you might just go, go to work, you know, just go to work, make a living, you know, because the, the biggest blessing we can ever get, I feel like is family. It's a wife and kids. 100%. Um, that's what I feel like. That's the best thing you can do. And everything else is just work, you know. And um, you always can operate in your gift for free. So I tell people that, like, hey, you might necessarily not be able to be a painter and be Picasso, you know, but you can paint. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you can paint. You know, there's a lot of local um, clubs and organizations that you can paint and be a part of. And your passion should be free. You should want to do that for free. You know, I'm going to give, well, we don't really talk about this in the podcast much, but I'm going to give you a, a big prop that I've noticed from the outside that, you know, you love running around with us hunting fish and everything else. But without question, you do, you are the quintessential family man. It's dinner every night, kids first, wife first. Um, and I never hear you grumble about it. So you don't have to say anything, and maybe you shouldn't because you'll ruin it. Yeah. Rather, that is a that is an honest assessment uh, from whether you notice I was paying attention or not, and uh, and your your wife and family are very fortunate to have you play that role in their lives. So keep it up. Well, I appreciate that, Jim. That's nice. Most of our conversations we have here in the podcast studio are centered around hunting and fishing, but most of our com conversation we've had tonight has been centered around stuff that's a lot larger than that. Uh, but do you have any stories from from when you were a kid? Yes, I have. I have a couple of stories. So, like I said, man, you know, um, I was I didn't have a consistent male figure in my life, but I can remember a couple of times that my dad did come get me and, and take me hunting, you know. And uh, I think the first time I was 10, I was 9 or 10. And I had a lot of times when he said he was coming to get me, he didn't come get me, you know, but a couple of times he did, you know, he, you know, one, he took me hunting with him twice. Um, and, uh, it's my first time ever holding a rifle. And, um, you know, I went with my brother and I got in the tree stand and, you know, my brother wanted to kick me out of the tree stand cause I was trying to eat and talk the whole time. <laughs> Stop talking, man. Be quiet. You got to be quiet. The deer ain't going to come. I'm like, man, ain't no deer around here. What you doing? Like, I'm like, you know, so, um, that was a, that was a fun time. And my fun, the, the best time I had, you know, what I, what I, what I took from the trip as a little kid was. It was the first time I ever went in the store with somebody. And I went in the store and my dad said, get anything you want. So, so we went in, we, I wish we had a camera to see that expression. So it was, a you know, we went to get snacks and food. So I'm like, get anything I want. So I went and got like some, I remember I went and got some Oreo cookies. And I like, I got Oreo cookies and I was like, I said, what else I can get? I said, that's, I said, and I went and put it up there. And he was like, um, on the counter, he said, that's all you're going to get and eat the whole time? He said, I got you some sandwiches, but, you know, that's all you're going to eat? I said, I ain't, I said, I don't know what, I can, what else I can get because, you know, with my mom, I can't, I can't, you know, go in the store and, like, 
can I get some? Like, no, I mean, we get some, we sharing it. You know what I mean? My mom, we, you know, we didn't have the money. Yeah. It was tight. So he looked at me again and he said, and I looked at my brother, my older brother, he was 17, you know, all state, all world football player. And man, he was just loading up on the bus. <laughs> Cupcakes, Stacked up, donuts, right? donuts, Yahoo. I'm like, I can't get a Yahoo, a Yahoo, Yahoo, whatever. I said, you, I, I never had one of those. I was 10. I never had one of those drinks, them little the chocolate drinks. And I said, I can get one of them. He was like, yeah. He says, he looked at me again. He, he just, he took a deep breath. And I, I can see the look in his eyes that like, you know, I don't spend enough time with him. Like, wow. So it was kind of like, when my brother started getting stuff, then I started getting stuff. And I looked at, I kept looking at my dad like, it's enough, I can get some more. He looked at me again, he said, yeah. And uh, I ended up spending like $20 on food on, for me. And my brother, um, my brother had a lot of stuff. And, my, and I didn't know my dad had got me more stuff. But um, I just felt like that was the best. So I like, I wanted to go hunting again because I wanted to go to the store. <laughs> You know, I wanted like so. I just sat there and I ate the whole time, and I had sandwiches and I had drunk all the drink I wanted to drink. Then you know I had to pee, and they say pee off the side, and or then they say don't pee over here because the deal gonna smell it. You know, I'm like all kind of stuff. So, but I had fun sitting up in the tree, and they showed me how to aim the gun. They showed me how to load it. They said, hey, you get ready to shoot, take the safety off, aim and fire. And then um, before we left, they let me shoot, and um, I had an eye for it. I was shooting and hitting stuff, and it was like they were surprised. So, you know, thought I was gonna go again, but you know, that was that was like my favorite hunting story. So, and I got one more too. But hit us with I it, man. Yeah, that was a great one. We have to have you back to so, stories. Now, now, before before you get on from that, I can tell you, my son, he's five years old. That's his favorite thing too about hunting. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be four in the morning. We're going to the duck blind. Can I have a Mountain Dew? I'm sure. <laughs> I don't care. Can I have donuts for breakfast? Yeah, we can get donuts. Yeah. Can I eat them in the truck? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. That is priceless, man. Yeah. That is priceless. See, that's the kind of stuff right there, man. But but yeah, man, my you know, the second the second experience was the second time he took me hunting. It was the last time. All right. And um my granddaddy, you know, my granddaddy was uh, was older and he had bad hips and, you know, he couldn't walk no more, you know. So they, you know, they had him on a wheelchair. So my granddaddy was like one of the old country guys that sat on the back porch and got a neighbor, neighbors behind his house and still trying to shoot off the back porch because he can't go nowhere and, you know, getting in trouble. And they calling the police and like, I ain't going to shoot y'all. You know, he just he's just the best shooter, sharp shooter ever. But we – um. My dad went and got him and a couple of friends, and they they picked him up and bro, they wheeled him in the woods, bro. We went to the woods, they wheeled him in the woods, and um, we had went hunting. We was out there, we just went hunting for like three hours. It wasn't, you know, it was. It just he wanted to get him out there, and um, it wasn't nothing, man. And he's sitting out there, and you know, this joker the only one I think even hit something, even shot something that day, man, in the wheelchair. So. My granddaddy was a special guy, and I probably spent more time with my granddaddy in my life. He used to um, come get me, and, you know, I used to go stay with him more than my dad. Yep. So wow. that was an amazing story. And, you know, my dad only took me, like, fishing, like, once. Once or twice, you know. Um, it's, you know, considered, you know, county, and my dad was, like, a married man and stuff. You know, he did very well, you know, built a 
a five bedroom, like a you know three thousand square feet house, a five thousand five thousand square foot house in Palatka, and he is a master carpenter, built it from the ground up. So very very talented guy, you know. But um, you know, just an unfortunate situation growing up. Yeah. So, what are we gonna do to get you in some of this three X camo and get you out in the woods with us? Um, I mean that's a goal of mine, man. That's a goal of mine, man. I'm trying to, you know, trying to get healthy, man, so I can be able to uh, stand up long enough, do stuff, you know, like that. You know, maybe jump in a tree one of these days or something. But that's a goal of mine, man. Um, just fighting through these injuries and stuff, man. It's just been a really, really, really big challenge for me, to be honest. But um, really trying to um, make that a goal, man. Make that a goal for sure. I mean, that'd be so fun, man. That'd be that'd be great to um, you know go out and do that one day. Maybe you know even sit stationary somewhere one day and you know be out the way a little bit. But it's no, it's like people don't really understand the feeling, like the adrenaline you get from that. Um, and I was a little boy and I got that adrenaline. I felt it. Um, you know, so I look forward to it, man. And it's fun, man. It's fun. I want to at least, you know, um, have my son experience that, you know, even though I didn't get it, you know, have him experience it and, and go out there and, and get the outdoors are beautiful, man. God blessed us so greatly with the outdoors, man. It's just, a, it's, it's amazing. You know, I just love the outdoors. I love it. I say, if you can walk from the car across the parking lot to the boat, we can put you in a duck blind. <laughs> <laughs> We've got those three small game hunts, maybe four small game hunts coming up starting December, January, February. You know, <clears throat> it, everybody loves knocking down the deer. There yeah. is a lot of fun running around the woods chasing small game. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned your son. It is a great time to teach him responsibility, safety. Yes. Um that believe it or not, you can wander into the woods and you can find your way back out and you're probably not going to get eaten alive. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll send those dates to you, man. And um, this isn't platitudes. I'm, I'm going to bug you about coming. <laughs> I so, appreciate the invite. The invite yeah. is very, very generous. So I understand uh, your time you. is busy too. Yeah. I'm, I'll be focused on, man, the world, man. And I know, but self-care is very important too. Um, you definitely had to have self-care and, our our schedule is so busy with helping people and you know most of my time it like it goes to sports and you know following my kids and and then the most important thing is spending time with my better half so you can um, bring her too you know mama need mama need some love she she bro she don't even want to live nowhere with no street lights at so to get her in the <laughs> woods i got me a city girl like a city girl so i'm married to one of those too oh man like you know, and uh, I'm so fortunate to have her, though, man. I mean, she helped me so much, man. She helped me so much. See, my wife's ready for our daughter to get old enough for me to start taking her, too. That way she can have some peace and quiet. <laughs> <laughs> she going to go worrying then and worrying about yeah. y'all. Like, where y'all at? What time y'all she, come on? When y'all going out the woods? She already worries about me enough now. But, you know, I'm, my daughter's two and my son is five. And it seemed like when my son was that age, I actually hunted. Uh, we, we lived in Georgia at the time, and I had – property we hunted that was literally 15 minutes down the road okay so he was always out there with me uh, i would get out off the main road onto the dirt road and i'd take his car seat put it in the front passenger seat and face it forward so he was just right there with me looking out the window we were going to drive around and check game cameras or fill feeders or whatever 
Mm-hmm. And uh, he used to always love that. And I took him to the tree stand one afternoon. Oh, that lasted about mm-hmm. 20 minutes. And then wow. the snacks ran out. And then uh, that was it. He was done. He's ready to go wander around the woods. But that's. Yep. But now, I mean, he comes out. He comes up with me now. We go up to Georgia or go out and deer hunt. He'll sit there for two or three hours. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it definitely teaches patience, man. I think that's the big, that's a big factor with hunting. And I, you know, I kind of be seeing some of my friends on social media with their boys and they killing deers every year. And they, the sun just keep getting bigger and they keep killing bigger deers, mm-hmm. man. So it, it's pretty cool, man. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to have to um, find a way to expose my, my boy to that. Well, there's, there's another part of it too that often gets swept under the rug that I do think will sing to you. <clears throat> and that is the quiet, the peace where you are oh yeah, able to get alone and you, <clears throat> you know, spiritually, it, your mind is able to disengage from all the other distractions in life and start to focus on and, and reflect on how do I work on me? Mm-hmm. How do I work on others? Um, you get a chance to talk to God. Um, and you know, you know, we've had that conversation that my faith is and how I express is different than yours. But, um, I believe that if I know you got, you're Ross still constrained by the world, mm-hmm. but if you can get out there, I think that you'll find that well, I would be shocked if that's not the part that resonates right here with you the most. Mm-hmm. So it's not about yeah. knocking down the critters as much as that's what you see on TV and things. It's, uh, I think for most of the people we know, we may describe it differently, but that's actually the part that we actually, that's what keeps us coming back. Awesome. So, that's awesome. Well, thank you for your time. I don't, tip of the week's probably not. Yeah. I mean, I, I had, I had <laughs> one, I wrote it down. Oh, go for it, so brother. I, we, we usually end off the episode with a, with a, a tip of the week. And a lot of times it's related to outdoors. I mean, you can, you get whatever tip you've got, but uh, I'll, I'll lead us off and say, you know, you, you told your story about the, when they pushed your grandfather out in the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And it, <clears throat> it's, to me, it resonated with uh, continuing this on for the next generation. Because mm-hmm. I, my dad led me, and one mm-hmm. day I'll lead my father into the woods. Wow. Um, and then I lead my son now so that one day I have someone who, who can continue to take me. It yeah. comes full circle yeah. every yeah. single time. Every single time, you're right. So when in the actions you take now uh, through conservation in any part of life, it's it's bigger than you. Mm-hmm. So pay attention. Watch where you step. That's awesome. Jim? Man, my eyes are off the wall, and you know, but this is just another one. You know, if you Darcy and I actually have a lot more commonality, you might think, but anybody would take a look, they'd be like, "Man, those guys are," you know. Um, 180 degrees, but that is, you, you got to go out and meet people that are different than you, right? And uh, my life has been blessed, and part of it is just because of the career I chose, which I don't usually talk about too much on here, but being able to meet a wide path of people that have passions that are different than you, and I'm hoping that through some of those things, we'll be able to keep bringing interesting people onto the podcast where it's not all just about hunting fish and biology and conservation but really do that so my that's my tip is go out of your way to get out of your own comfort zone and go strike up conversations with people that your fight or flight reflex is telling you are different than you are because they're not as different as you think and what they're interesting interested in if they're genuinely passionate about it 
is going to be interesting to you when they discuss it. Awesome. Yeah, my tip of the week will be, hey, if you're on the water, wear a life vest. You know, no, no, you know, no matter how experienced you are, you know, you get on them boats, you know, anything can happen, wear your life vest. Um, it sounds very elementary, but very important. Um, when you're out there hunting, you know, walking through those woods, you know, try to wear bright colors at times. So that's my safety tips of the week. Hey, I'll, I'll tell you this. You know, you, you think, you know, I'm a great swimmer. I don't need a life vest. There's still a life out of the Olympics. That's right. Think about that for a minute. Yep. Mm-hmm. Bump right. your head. Yeah. They make right. YouTube video out of knuckleheads to blow that one. Yeah. That's right. Well, Darcy, man, I really appreciate you joining us tonight. It's been a wonderful episode, and I look forward to putting it out there for everybody to listen to. All right, man. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, blessing, 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 blessing. Thank you. We'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>